I'm Buddy Earls with the Wrecking Crew Ranch in Rado and Zapata, Texas. And you're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today... We see a lot of emphasis on conservation in the current Farm Bill debate. And one big conservation program that we participate here in Texas is the CRP, or Conservation Reserve Program. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When it comes to drought conditions, the northern Texas Panhandle is an especially tough place to be right now. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about what crop and livestock producers in that area are up against as they continue to hope for rain. Increased showers and thunderstorms are forecast by the National Weather Service for the month of April across various regions of the state of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and we'll take a peek at that April forecast just ahead on Texas Ag Today. The new farm bill being considered by Congress is about national food security. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farm conservation programs have gotten a huge influx of money through the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, with USDA's conservation program budget jumping from $6 billion a year up to $10 billion. One conservation program that has a big effect on Texas is the Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP. Eddie Womack farms in the Texas Panhandle, north of Tulia. He also sits on the board of directors for Texas Wheat Producers, and he says they would like to see improvements to CRP. One thing is, is our limitation for CRP is at $50,000. We're recommending that's a, the cap one producer could receive. We're, we're proposing a $125,000 limit on that cap. So a producer could reach $125,000 instead of the $50,000 cap. The next thing we're talked about is it doesn't seem like that our rental rates are really equitable across you know, the country and even within states. So what we're proposing is that each region, you know, regionalize that CRP to uh, address the erodibility index, the wind, the water, the buffer zones, you know, and, and give regional, uh, maybe the state committee of the FSA more power to uh, to decide where those funds need to be, you know, spent and then exactly what rate they should be used. Texas has more CRP acres than any other state with over 2 million acres enrolled. 
A nationwide cattle traceability program continues to move forward with USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service extending the public comment period on their latest proposal by 30 days. The proposed rule requires electronic identification for interstate movement of certain cattle and bison to be visually and electronically readable. Ben Weinheimer, president and CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, says cattle feeders are fully behind the move to create a traceability system. Uh, They actually now have started down that path, at least on the adult animal ID program, to transition it from a physical identification tag to an electronic ID tag. Uh, That rule is uh, open for public comment currently and is uh, the step Uh, that needs to be taken uh, to move this forward. So we we look forward to working with USDA on that rule to uh, implement an electronic animal disease traceability system for the adult cattle program. Those cattle that are um, over 18 months of age, uh, get that up and running and then uh, continue to expand the electronic ID traceability program into the entire U.S. cattle herd. The hope is to have a nationwide traceability system in place in the next year or two. The northern Texas panhandle is one of the driest parts of the state right now. James Hunt takes a look at what farmers and ranchers there are dealing with. If you take a look at the Texas Drought Monitor map, there really isn't any place in the Texas High Plains that could be considered in good condition, but it is pretty apparent that the northernmost counties of the Panhandle are in especially rough shape. A lot of that area is in D3 or D4 drought status. Andy Holloway is the extension agent for Hemp Hill County. Here's his appraisal of the deteriorating situation. There's very little to no grass. Uh... There's been little to no moisture since last summer. We've had a few little moisture events in September and a half inch of rain or so in December and a flake or two of snow here and there, but it hadn't just been a lot at any one time to get us into a potential of a good spring growing season. Holloway says for those in agriculture, the situation has become critical. Beef cattle producers, uh, and, and I would think farmers too, especially farmers with dryland wheat, uh, have got some big decisions to make soon. Uh, I'd say most of the wheat's probably going to be uh, plowed under and probably go to an insurance situation. And then on the cattle side, uh, especially here in our county and around this area, we've got uh, cow-calf producers that are just trying desperately to hang on hoping to get some rain soon so that they grow some grass this spring and summer to keep their herds. If it doesn't rain soon, they're going to have to make hard decisions about reducing their herd or or even selling out. We'll hear more from Andy Holloway with the Hemp Hill County Extension Office in Canadian on our program tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What does the weather forecast hold for April? Tom Nicoletti checks in with the National Weather Service meteorologist.
as farmers continue to see their young spring crops grow, and also some farmers have not yet planted, and cattle ranchers and other livestock producers are looking for good grazing opportunities, we uh, turn to National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth to give us the forecast for the month of April for Texas. And Tom, uh, let's first talk about precipitation, because some areas of Texas surely do need it. What does it look like? Good to be with you again, Tom. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of precipitation to talk about. Actually, the month of March was pretty dry across a good part of the state of Texas, particularly out in the western counties. We did get a little bit of rain in the Red River Valley, extreme north central Texas, and a little bit in the Rio Grande Valley. But for the vast majority of the Lone Star State, it was uh, actually well below normal for the month of March. And what about April? Well, we're crossing our fingers. April tends to be a wetter month for the state of Texas. It's actually one of the wettest months that we have during the course of the year. And some of the long-range guidance is suggesting that it'll be not only a little bit warmer than normal, but actually a little bit wetter than normal. So that's going to translate into an increased frequency of showers and thunderstorms across the area during the month of April. So hopefully some folks can get a little bit of drought relief across a good part of the state. When you say a little warmer, we're not talking about uh, 95 to 100 degrees, are we? Hopefully not yet, although it's certainly not in the realm of possibility that we can see some 90s across a good part of the state as we get deeper into April. That's not terribly uncommon, and with above normal temperatures expected, certainly you can't rule out certainly some 80s and some temperatures getting well into the 90s in some locations. Well, those temperatures are usually uh, the norm for Texas in the first full month of spring, right? Exactly, exactly. That is Tom Bradshaw. He is a National Weather Service meteorologist in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Farm Bill is about more than just protecting farmers. It's an issue of national food security. Gary Joyner explains. The recent Farm Bill listening session in Waco echoed a common theme from farmers, ranchers, and attending members of Congress. U.S. food security is national security. We cannot take our U.S. food supply and food security for granted. Domestic food and fiber production strengthens our national security. The past few years have been extremely difficult for farm and ranch families in Texas due to drought, unpredictable weather, staggering input prices, labor shortages, volatile markets, and supply chain disruptions. When adjusted for inflation, 2023 net farm income is expected to decrease $30.5 billion, or 18.2%. This statistic alone should raise alarm. Ensuring the safety net is protected and strengthened in the upcoming Farm Bill is critical. We must look at ways to strengthen crop insurance. Crop insurance has been an essential tool for Texas farmers, especially especially this past year due to weather conditions. Reference prices should be increased moving forward to ensure they are reflected of today's inflated costs of production. Disaster programs should be made more palatable in the next Farm Bill. Protecting animal health programs that guard against the spread of foreign animal diseases such as foot and mouth disease is essential. So is strengthening livestock risk management programs that provide producers with added protection against weather events, and price decline. Voluntary conservation programs should be promoted. These programs support farmers and ranchers in implementing conservation practices free from government mandates. The 2023 Farm Bill, it is about national food security. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Anglers in a handful of counties will see changes to freshwater fishing regulations starting this fall. 
I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on that coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Cushing's disease is a fairly common syndrome in older horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cushing's disease is a fairly common syndrome in older horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says there is an effective treatment. Cushing's disease is correctly called PPID, which stands for pituitary pars intermediate dysfunction and is related to the abnormality of the pituitary gland in the horse's brain. This leads to excessive hormone production, which leads to the clinical signs of laminitis and founder, increased drinking and urinating, and a long hair coat that does not shed normally. The drug normally used to treat the condition is called pergolide, and Procend is the trade name. And although the drug has not been shown to prolong these horses' lives, it does increase their quality of life. Since this drug must be used for the remainder of the horse's life, we want to make sure it is helping these horses. Dr. Harold Schott from Michigan State studied 28 horses diagnosed with PPID from beginning the treatment until the end of their lives. Horses were examined almost every year for over 12 years, and the animal's owners were interviewed. On average, the horses lived over three years after diagnosis, but some lived up to 12 years. Most horses started at one milligram of pergolide, but some had to have an increased dose to two milligrams as they became older. The horses showed ongoing improvement in clinical signs, including improvement in hair coat, improved energy, better appetite, and most importantly, less bouts of laminitis. Three-fourths of the horses had normal hormone tests after treatment, but even the horses with abnormal hormone test results still showed improvement in clinical signs. After 10 years of treatments, 96% of the horse owners indicated that treating with pergolide improved their horse's quality of life, and 88% indicated they would provide lifelong treatment for their horse. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Anglers in a handful of Texas counties will see some changes to freshwater fishing regulations starting this fall. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Anglers who fish in a handful of Texas counties will see changes in fishing regulations this fall. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission recently approved a few changes to freshwater fishing regulations at their March meeting. Michael Tennant, Regulations and Policy Coordinator for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says one of the changes will impact Dixieland Lake in Cameron County. Biologists reassessed the size of Dixieland Lake at 57 acres in fall of 2022. Dixieland Lake now meets the definition of a CFL, reassessed at less than 75 acres and within a city park. The proposed rule change would implement a daily bag limit of five, all species combined, with one black bass greater than 14 inches. 
The commission also approved modifications to catfish harvest regulations for Bellwood in Smith County and Tankersley in Titus County. The changes eliminate special exceptions for those water bodies, and that means that the bag limit, possession, and length limits for catfish will return to statewide standards. The commission also approved the delineation of the upstream reservoir boundary for Choke Canyon Reservoir. The upstream boundary will be the State Highway 16 bridge on the Frio River, including all waters of San Miguel Creek downstream from the Highway 16 bridge. The commission approved a new boundary for OHIV Reservoir as well. It will be the FM 129 bridge on the Colorado River and Amos Creek on the Concho River. TPWD says that will help delineate between the inflowing river and the reservoir where there are special exceptions to statewide bag, possession, and length limits. Those changes go into effect September 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a pullback in the cattle market to kick off the trading week on Monday while the grains closed mixed. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market dropped lower to kick off the holiday-shortened trading week on Monday. Of course, the markets will be closed Friday for the Good Friday holiday. But starting this week, we saw red ink in the cattle complex. April live cattle down 22 cents, 168.12. The June down 90 161.22 with August live cattle down 67 at 160.75. Feeder cattle seeing a triple digit drop. April feeders down $1.87, 198.95. May down 210 at 203.15 with August feeders dropping $1.27 at 220.70. Cash fed cattle market all quiet to start the week. No bids or asking prices to report. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, my guest. Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction Mason and San Saba. Ken, let's talk about the San Saba sale you had Thursday. Larry, we had right at 940-something head cattle today. I thought the stalker steers were selling steady at $3 higher. We had a group of eight here. We weighed 504 at $240 at $1,209 and a little change on those. Had another group of steers. We weighed 588 at 228 right at $1,341 on those. I thought the stalker heifers sold probably three to five higher. Had a group of of seven heifers, 524 at 210 a pound. They dotted out a little over $1,100 on those uh, five weight heifers. 
feeder steers, I thought overall were steady. Had a group of eleven steers, weighed eight fifty five at a buck seventy four, right at fourteen hundred and eighty eight dollars, just close to a twelve dollar shy of the fifteen hundred dollar mark. The fifth then on the feeder heifers I thought overall were fully steady. The two dollars higher had a group of three heifers, weighed six forty three at dollar ninety six. Those heifers dollared out right at twelve hundred and sixty bucks. Packer cows and bulls overall were steady. Pairs of bred cows were steady on a limited test. What do you anticipate for Mason Monday? 600, This is our little slower time of year, just spring. And got a couple groups of calves coming in and one of those Jagger cows that will be there, Larry. And then we're also getting ready for that special bull offering Thursday, April the 6th. We've got about 100 bulls to be there. We're going to start an hour early on those and uh, roll right through them. Got a lot of good uh, Brangus bulls, Herford bulls, Angus, Maine Angus, and uh, several other uh, ones and two groups of bulls there. So needs some bulls, uh, virgin bulls. All ready to go, ready to turn out. Be there on Thursday, April the 6th, Larry, or watch it on the internet live. Just go to our website, jordancadillac.com, for more information and uh, uh, look at all the pictures and everything, too, Larry. Telephone number? Area code 325-372-5159. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. You've been listening to Walk in the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures trade now, where lean hogs finished lower on Monday. April hogs dropped 72 cents, 74.52. The May down 25 at 84.37. Class 3 milk was lower. April milk down 30 cents at 18.80, 100 weight. The cotton market closed slightly lower. Of course, cotton keeps an eye on the outside markets. The big news in the financial markets OPEC announcing a voluntary cut in oil production starting on May the 1st. That, of course, has the economy even more jitterish, and when that happens, you usually see cotton prices fall. May cotton down 40 points, 82.38. July down 46 at 82.64. The new crop December contract down 50 points at 82.92 cents. Not much news in the grain markets on Monday. We closed mixed with May corn down two and three quarters, six fifty-seven and three quarters. July corn up a penny, six thirty-seven a bushel, with September corn up one, five seventy-eight and a quarter. Same thing in the wheat market. Not a whole lot of movement. Wheat finishing lower on the hard wheat trade, higher on soft wheat. July Kansas City wheat down a half, eight sixty-one and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up two and a quarter. 706 and three quarters. In the energy markets on Monday, May natural gas down 10 cents at 211. May West Texas crude took a jump on that OPEC news up 493 to close at 80.60 a barrel. In the financial markets, we were mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow up 313 points, 33,587. The Nasdaq down 65, 12,156. The S&P up nine. 4,119. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.